0: right, welcome everyone to the White Flag Warriors podcast. I'm Johnny McCoy, your host, CEO and founder of our app, uh, which is located in the Apple App Store and on Google Play. White Flag app is a platform where you can instantly and anonymously be connected with other individuals who are going through the same things as you. So uh, if you hop on our app, you get to select what's going on with you. Uh, For me, that would be anxiety, depression, Uh, it would be that I'm coping with marijuana and, uh, and that I, um, have tried pretty much everything out there, um, in order to make myself, uh, feel better in order to be able to, um, you know, function, uh, in society as not only a founder and CEO of a company, but also as an attorney, I'm also a civil rights attorney in my previous life. But today we have an extremely special guest. This is our number one, most requested guest so far on the podcast uh, before we even said that we were going to do a podcast, I was getting reached out to uh, on a frequent basis from people asking, What is up with ketamine? How does it uh, help you? Um, you know, what did it do for you? And I have nothing but the highest praises. And the reason for that is this gentleman here who is talking with us today that's Mr. Steve Gittleman of Rocky Mountain Mind and Body here in Denver, Colorado. And Steve is a jack of all trades. I'll let him introduce himself and go through his bio a little bit. He's done it all. Um, But uh, most importantly, he's one of the most caring and compassionate individuals I've ever, ever met, period. And uh, we're thrilled to have him on and and listen to uh, his wealth of knowledge about a subject that many people are interested in and learning more about um, for either themselves or the loved ones when it comes to, uh, you know, mental health issues. So uh, without further ado, uh, Steve Gittleman, why don't you go ahead and just um, kind of tell us uh, who you are and and how you got to where to where you are now at Rocky Mountain Mind and Body if you don't mind?
1: Sure. Well, thank you for the kind words, Johnny, and thank you for having me on your podcast. So yeah, I'm an advanced practice nurse trained in anesthesiology nurse, anesthesiologist, uh, forty one years in practice. And um, I've always been interested in uh, psychology and sort of um, new treatments for uh, patients. And and when ketamine became um, a viable and safe uh, treatment for a lot of mood disorders, such as uh, depression, anxiety, PTSD, OCD, suicidal ideation is ultra responsive to ketamine, literally a lifesaver for so many patients. Few other illnesses that we can treat with ketamine when this became a popular treatment a few years ago and decided uh, I was all in and would open up a, um, a ketamine clinic, my intention was to do it safely and efficaciously and to do it based on the scientific uh, literature and to be sure that patients uh, are getting um, the proper treatments. Uh, we've learned so much in just the last five and a half years. So our clinic's been open five years Oh, wow. thousand infusions. So we have quite a lot of experience, and we've learned so much just in the last few years. We continue to collect data, learn more, make it more effective. And I'll give you a brief history of it. Yeah, please. Yeah. Uh, It's an interesting history. Uh, um, Ketamine was first FDA approved in 1970. So over 50 years ago, it was approved as an anesthetic. So that's how it falls into my scope of practice. An anesthetic that I've been given, uh, been giving for decades. Um, but all drugs, after they're FDA approved for one uh, purpose, uh, it, they're researched for other uses. And that's the case with ketamine as well. So we use uh, medications for off-label use, not FDA approved specifically for that, but about a third of the medications that are prescribed on a daily basis in this country, are for off label use. So it's not unusual at all. And in mental health, more than half of the medications prescribed are off label. So uh, it's a very common um, practice as long as it's supported by sound scientific evidence. So uh, I'll bring you up to the modern era of antidepressants. 1989, Prozac was FDA approved. It was rolled out in January of 1990, the first modern day. Antidepressant, um, and it was about thirty-five percent effective. And researchers knew in just a few short years we needed something more, um, and so uh, they started researching all sorts of medications that affected the central nervous system, the brain, and they stumbled upon ketamine, and they uh, established a protocol that was similar to electroconvulsive therapy similar only in that they wanted to do six treatments over the course of two to three weeks. So they patterned it after that, and the researchers found that uh, ketamine uh, was 70 to 75% effective in treating depression, anxiety, and these other mood disorders. Wow. And uh, with very little uh, side effects, very mild, uh, short-lived side effects, So we're now at 82% effective Wow! because we've, again, gained so much knowledge in just the last few years. We dose it slightly different than the original research back in uh, uh, 2006. And also, we have a lot of data now about the substances that interfere with the success of ketamine. So with that new knowledge, that's how we got up to uh, 82%. Uh, successful. So ketamine, the the, uh, research was published in 2006, and that research has been duplicated dozens and dozens of times, which is very important in in science, is that has to be reproducible. Um, So that's sort of where we are um, right now. Um, There are several different routes of administering ketamine. We do the continuous IV infusion of 40 to 45 mid-infusion, and that's the gold standard. Right. Gold standard in terms of efficacy or effectiveness and also in terms of safety. If there's ever any sort of adverse reaction, which would be extremely rare, we have that safety net of being able to pause or even stop the infusion, um, and then the symptoms resolve pretty quickly. You can't do that with the other routes. The other big advantage is that ketamine is 100% bioavailable to the brain when it's given through an IV. Uh, It's poorly absorbed through the other routes, so that's why IV is the preferred route.
0: Yeah, no, uh, that's amazing. And you describe it essentially the way you described it to me, uh, and I'm assuming you do all your patients um, when they first meet you. By the way, I'm a patient of Dr. Gittleman's, and I completely waive patient-client privilege (laughs) or patient-doctor privilege um, you know, for, for the uh, you know, for for the purpose of uh, ed- educating our audience, and you know, um, when I first heard about ketamine, and when you and I first started talking about it early on, you know, I was I was surprised to hear that it had been used medically since the early '80s, late '70s, and um, that uh, when when we I believe it was you and I started talking, and we started talking about some case studies. And essentially, what happened was people just started waking up the next day feeling better after they had been given the the ketamine anesthesi- anesthetic, um, and uh, and it kind of showed, uh, you know, the doctors out there um, who were prescribing it for other uses that there was off label use for for ketamine for depression. I think I read a case study where um, they uh, that where individuals were up in the you know the seventy five to eighty percent range eight out of every 10 were feeling better um, after they had been administered. What, what, what you call a medicinal dose of ketamine. And that's something that's important for our listeners. You know, there's the difference between going to Bonnaroo and seeing somebody passed out in the grass, which I, I, I definitely saw firsthand. And my friend said, this guy's in a K hole. And I go, what's a K hole. And he tells me, you know, that's, you know, that's the recreational part of ketamine. However, the medicinal part of ketamine couldn't be further from the effects that you see when somebody's just overusing it recreationally. Can you talk a little bit about, you know, the dosing of it and sort of like the the difference between a recreation dose and a medicinal dose for us?
1: Yeah, so the effects of it are dose related. So in the hospital, for example, we may give a very big dose of ketamine all at once and it would create deep sedation or even general anesthesia. The way that we give it is is critical. Um, we give it in a continuous infusion over 40 to 45 minutes. The reason why that's so important is that it takes the brain about 40 minutes to 45 minutes of exposure to the ketamine molecules for it to make the changes that we want to see. So if we give it in a one-time bolus, like in the hospital, we don't see the mental health benefits um, by the continuous infusion. The state that it creates for the patient, um, it's a beautiful, wonderful um, state of disassociation or disconnection from reality. Patients say they feel like they're floating above their recliner, melting down into it. Uh, Sometimes patients feel depersonalized, like they're looking back on themselves, sometimes inside their body. We even have patients who say they feel like they've taken... Uh, a few trips uh, around the globe or when I've been in a a spaceship, uh, we often hear that patients are in a movie like Interstellar or some sci-fi type movie. So the uh, experience itself is very profound. Uh, It's not the most important part of the treatment. Most important part is that patients are exposed to a therapeutic dose. We start at a half a milligram per kilo which is about 35 to 45 milligrams for most um, people. But the the big change since the original research is that we fine tune the dose. We change it every time a patient comes in. We're always talking about dose every time a patient comes in. We want to be sure we get some of that disconnection. The data shows that patients that have that pleasant, wonderful disconnection have better outcomes. And again, that's how we got to... uh, the higher uh, efficacy uh, rate. There's a little bit of anxiety sometimes about that first experience, um, particularly if um, the patient's never done uh, a psychedelic before. But by the end of the first infusion, patients can't wait to get back in for the second (laughs) because it's such a novel and interesting experience. Patients have private infusion rooms. Um, We get it nice and dark in there. Uh, We encourage patients to put in earbuds, headphones. We have loner headphones uh, to choose some calming, soothing music, uh, preferably without words. Patients lay back in the recliner. We allow um, guests, uh, if patients want to bring in uh, partners, spouses, friends to be there uh, close by, we allow that. Additionally, we have ketamine guides or coaches now who provide help and support to patients um, and l- provide as little as um, just getting them set up with their electronics and getting them comfortable putting on a weighted blanket or whatever uh, it takes to be comfortable um, to literally holding um, their hand the entire time. We've even had um, one, uh, one of our coaches said patient wanted her uh, to hold the patient's foot for the entire time and that <laughs> made the patient feel good. And we're all about that. It's a very patient centered uh, clinic. Uh, we're there to do whatever we can to make it a successful uh, treatment for the patient.
0: Yeah. And that's important. And I'm going to talk about my experience with you because I mean, it it could have, could not have been more profound. It could not have been a better experience. And I think that that has a lot to do with the facility itself, the facilitator themselves, because, The people who are using ketamine and the people who need it are not people who this is their first time, you know, trying something for depression. They're not people who are like, you know, I think I could feel a little bit better. These are people who are in my situation, at least um, I was desperate. Uh, I I think that the terms is uh, treatment resistant depression is what I had. And I also had horrific PTSD. Um, At the time when I met you, I was still dealing with paranoia, hypervigilance. My anxiety was so bad that my teeth were chattering. The morning that I came and saw you, my teeth were chattering. And, um, you know, it's from what from what I could tell, the set and setting is what you always thought. The set and setting, the mindset that you have going into it and the setting, you know, the situation and where you uh, where you actually administered your medicinal dose of ketamine. Is everything, and that's why I want to introduce you guys to Steve and and talk about you know his practice and and make sure that when you do go um, you know to to attempt to try ketamine for the first time that you take into consideration some of the stuff that we're talking about, which is you know how you feel go into the facility, how you feel with the administer.
1: Yeah, and you bring up an important uh, point. It is a medical clinic. There's nothing more important to us than the safety of our patients. When they're in our clinic, uh, we monitor blood pressure, heart rate, pulse ox. We have emergency drugs, defibrillator, all sorts of emergency things that we've never used because we've never had right. a will seat. Um, but, you know, there's a balance. Uh, when you walk in, it looks more like an art gallery. Um, we try to create that, that therapeutic atmosphere. Um, and that's really important. But again, we have to have that safety net to be sure that we're doing everything um, you know, properly and, and to make it a safe environment uh, for the patient.
0: Yeah. And and for me, um, so let's talk a little bit about my situation just because it, anecdotally it might help. So I was desperate. I had tried everything up to that point. I had tried CBT therapy. I tried EMDR. I've tried DBT therapy. I tried um, uh, alpha stem shockwaves through the brain I tried Xanax I tried every medication up, up until antipsychotics I, I had a stigma about them in my head at that time um, and you know going in to try the ketamine infusion I was extremely hopeful because of the anecdotal evidence out there of the studies of veterans of the studies of you know people who are experiencing treatment resistant depression so I was extremely hopeful but I was really scared and, um, the reason I was scared, and this is important, uh, it was because I ate an eighth of mushrooms at Bonnaroo in 2010 and it was a horrible experience. And of course it was because I didn't know how much to eat and I didn't know what to, t- and that's the, the feeling that I hear from people in the general public is I, I don't know about ketamine. Or I tried mushrooms once or I tried ket, or I see somebody try ketamine and they lost their grip with reality or something bad, you know, they had a bad experience. But it couldn't be further. It, it's almost like it's a different drug when it's administered in a medicinal dose uh, through you guys. And basically, um, I was prepared to shoot off into the stars and possibly monsters and, you know, all of these uh, thoughts to come rushing back into my head. And that's not what happened at all. I came into his clinic. Um, Steve and I talked for a long time. He wanted to know all about my uh, my PTSD um, to, to make sure that, you know, I was coming to the right place. Actually, I called him and left a message. He called me back after hours and said, you know, I think that you are a uh, a prime, uh, you know, I think that you're a prime candidate for this type of infusion. I've got high hopes for you. And we kind of went through it. It's going to be over the course of six infusions over the course of two, two and a half weeks. You'll come into my office and, you know, we'll go from there. So I came into Steve's office and I brought my wife with me, of course, and it could not have been, as when you guys hear the term good vibes, it could not have been better vibes. I mean, they got the artwork on the wall, which is really important. They've got the, the couch for your significant other to sit on. They've got your recliner, next to your recliner. They've got all the blood pressure cuffs to make sure that you're comfortable. They close the blinds. They put on your headphones. And it was important. I looked it up before, but I made a playlist. It's still in my phone on Spotify. It's called K. And my playlist was instrumental. Um, it was classic music. It was uh, instrumental music from Explosions in the Sky, uh, Trent Reznor. And, um, and the, the, the next thing I remember sitting in the chair was, you know, it's just like a, I get infusions for my uh, Crohn's disease. So it's very similar to that. Um, you sit in the chair, the, you know, the great anesthesiologist, they hook you up, they get the, they get the IV going. And then, uh, they say, are you ready to start? And within a few minutes of him saying, are you ready to start? You start to feel incredibly relaxed. And for somebody who has anxiety and PTSD going into this situation, if I would have known the first 10 minutes were going to relax me, I'd be like, Hey, I'll do this, whatever you want. And it was, it was an incredible moment because I was nervous. And then all of a sudden it went away. And then, I, I, I used the um I used the eye cover which I I very much recommend the eye cover and I just started to try to try to visual I just whatever was going to come in let it happen you know as you say it's not that it's not as important um to have visualizations and to go through this like visual experience as it is to stay there for 45 minutes and get the full dosage so that you know your neurotransmitters and everything else in your brain is being tapped into um, but I did have Uh, uh, experiences, especially in the very beginning. And the best ways that I can describe it for you guys is I felt as though I was a, a car and I had all these things wrong with me. And, and I I mean, visually I could see the black glass room and it looked like a square and I was just pulling into it as a being, not as a person, just as a being, I, I could, did not feel my body. And I pull into this black square, like shiny black glass, like something where, you know, it's clean, it's crisp. It's for me, that's what I love the most is I like, I like cold, quiet, dark. And that's where I pulled into. And I just remember feeling as though I was like slowly rotating and I felt like I was being worked on. It was the craziest experience. I felt as though something or somebody was working on me like a mechanic in a car garage. And then halfway through it, the roof opened up. I pull up and it turns into if you guys have backgrounds on your on your Apple store, if you log in and try to use your Apple TV or whatever or your screensaver on your computer, that's what it felt like to me. I was literally floating over the earth and it wasn't anything crazy. There wasn't like, you know, fire or anything. I was literally just cruising Flying over different landscapes for forty-five minutes, and um, I, I, it, this was my beginning dose. So you start off with uh, with the, the lowest dose you know possible medically, and then you work your way up, making sure that you know everything in your brain is being turned back on, and as I like to call it, and being rejuvenated. And um, so my first, my first, you know, couple of experiences there were so pleasant that I would have done it even without the effects now before I let Steve you know weigh in here I want to talk to y'all about the effects so my first infusion was on a Friday and it was just I called Steve on a Tuesday Wednesday we did our stuff Thursday we got everything approved and Friday I was in the chair Saturday morning I woke up and Saturdays are tough for a criminal defense lawyer, especially in a town like me, because you have a ton of voicemails. Everybody went out night four. Everybody needs you. So Saturdays, I usually woke up with some anxiety. And I woke up and my teeth were not chattering. I could breathe. It was like I wasn't coming out of a nightmare. And I just remember without even trying, without even knowing it was happening, I was tears were rolling down on my face. And I just remember I looked up at the ceiling and just started smiling because it gave me hope it gave me hope that this can get better and in that instant right then and there as steve said it this drug uh, ketamine works incredibly wonders for depression ptsd anxiety but the suicidal thoughts that i was having were completely gone and to be given that gift to be given that gift, uh, you know, uh, from some from from new drug that that you know, there's a lot of information out there on, but the stigma kind of keeps people away from it. I um I knew that they quote unquote were lying to us. They that's the way I felt. I felt as though anybody who was you know pressuring against ketamine had just hadn't had the experience that I had and many veterans and. Um, I know you've seen that, Steve. You must see it all the time. 10,000 infusions. I mean, I can't imagine the amount of hope that you've given people.
1: We see it every day. And, uh, you know, the visualizations that you have and the metaphors that I hear, it's fascinating. And, you know, the, the reason why ketamine has become mainstream and why it's so effective is that it works by a completely different mechanism of action in the brain than any of the other medications out there. It's actually a new class of uh, drugs called psychoneuroplastic. So it actually um, creates and grows new neurons that have been damaged by years or even decades of anxiety, depression, PTSD, and new synapses or connections uh, between um, neurons. And that was the big surprise that researchers found when they started researching ketamine um, almost 20 years ago. So it's a very unique mechanism of action. You know, you talked about um, you trying all sorts of modalities of medications. That's our typical patient. They've been through sometimes 10 or 15 medications. Um, Many of our patients have even been through electroconvulsive therapy, have not responded to that, unfortunately, but they have responded to ketamine. And ketamine is actually moving up in the algorithm now. We have patients who have come to us and said, you know what, I I don't want electroshock therapy. No. Or I don't want, uh, you mentioned antipsychotics, there's another uh, class of medications called MAOI inhibitors. Some patients don't want to do that. So ketamine keeps uh, uh, moving up. Now that we know it's mainstream, it's safe. You know, there's really been a cultural change in our country as um, some of these psychoactive or psychedelic medications have become uh, accepted. And as you probably know, uh, MDMA and psilocybin, synthetic psilocybin um, made in a laboratory, will be going to the FDA for approval uh, this spring, uh, perhaps even any day now. I didn't know that. Yeah, and they will be approved. The data is there. They have been researched by major institutions, Harvard, Johns Hopkins, and uh, there will be no roadblocks to their approval. Now, I don't know if it's gonna take two months or two years for them to be approved, probably closer to two years, but there will be a day in the very near future when you walk into a clinic, and hopefully it's ours, and you're prescribed uh, psilocybin or MDMA. MDMA is being researched for PTSD and psilocybin uh, for depression. So we'll have more tools in our tool shed uh, to help patients I've been suffering for for some long.
0: And you'll be on the front line of it. You know, um, I can't imagine because uh, I, I, I microdose now I microdose psilocybin, not synthetic, but I think it's great that they're making synthetic. I don't think it'll be much difference. Um, but I um, so I did six infusions at your uh, your facility. And, um, as I, as we stated before, they kind of, you kind of build up, you use a little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more. And what happens clinically, what's going on is your, your neurons, you know, the neuroplasticity is being rejuvenated in your brain. So the difference between, you know, taking an antidepressant, which I've always have been on, um, versus ketamine is the antidepressant isn't going in and fixing issues that are uh, uh, that are underlying whereas psilocybin ketamine some of these other you know MDMA some of these other drugs that are being tested right now um, and hopefully it will be approved the MDMA and the psilocybin actually help you heal Uh, not just ease your pain and suffering for the moment but also help you heal so that um, you know as you continue to progress in your treatment of it you feel better and better and that's what happened with me I made it through five, um, five infusions with you and without any issues. And on, uh, I think it was on like the fifth one. I started to need my wife's hand there because it gets really intense. Um, it gets really intense. I know I'm not going to say intense in a bad way. It's just like, I, I knew that I was detached from my body. I knew that I was detached from my brain. The only way I can describe it is I felt like it was just my consciousness or just my spirit That was sort of still there, whereas everything else was off somewhere being worked on. And if Sia, my wife, hadn't been there holding my hand, you know, I would have I felt like I would have shot off into the universe, which may have been cool for, you know, for for many people. But I wasn't ready. So you can actually kind of control um, your uh, your experience um, by the way that you listen to what music, uh, whether you use face covering, um, whether you have somebody there holding your hand. All these things go into your experience. So if you're out there and you're listening and you're afraid of quote unquote tripping, um, it's not, it's, I, I wish I I could show it to you on the screen right now because it's not, it's just a, it's a, it's a feeling that you have, you know, when you're going through a medical procedure, like I'm going through this, um, and I'm going to be better for it and that you do get some cool effects. Your anxiety goes down a little bit. I know they were checking my, um, you guys were checking my, uh, heart rate and everything the whole time. And that was really reassuring to me. I could I mean, they were in the room They come in and out, they make there's a nurse there is along with Steve. And, um, it's just a really wonderful experience. So I did the first six, I think we finished in 15, 16 days. And I felt, I mean, I, I can't even describe it. You talk 80%, you know, better or 80% efficacy, um, amongst the testing patients. But I felt almost a ninety-five percent um, increase in uh, my mood, decrease in my depression and my anxiety, which is what, what I really needed relief from, was almost non existent for the first three months. And then you get what's called a maintenance dose, which can you talk about that for a second? What you know, what's the purpose of the maintenance dose and kind of how that how that come about? Yeah.
1: Once we get a patient into remission of their symptoms. Uh, Of course, we want to keep them there. Statistically, patients come back uh, once every two to two and a half months for a single infusion, not the series of six again. And there's a lot of variability there, but 90% of our patients uh, fit that statistical mean. We have some patients who come more frequently. Most of them have severe suicidal ideation. And then we have some patients who come once every four to six months and hardly feel like they need to be there. So... We don't put anyone on a set schedule because of all that variability, but inevitably there's some sort of, uh, maintenance infusions, but you know, if you can stop by, uh, four or five times a year for a 45 minute infusion and life is, is great and you stay in remission, uh, that's a small, uh, price to pay. And Johnny, I wanted to talk just a little bit more about the experience itself. You describe it wonderfully. Um, you know, Again, it's not a weekend at Coachella. It's um, no. it the first 5 or 10 minutes you explain that perfectly. It it ramps up slowly and then you reach the steady state where, you know, all of the changes in the brain occur and all of that dissociation or, or disconnection occurs when pa- people take, you know, large doses of whatever substances. It's more like a rocket and a pyramid and crashing down, and it's nothing like that. Nothing like that. You you did a really good job of explaining it. And then a little bit more about the mechanism of action, and this is important because it's so unique and novel. You know, there's seven or eight neurotransmitters or chemicals that work in the brain. Uh, Some are inhibitory, some are excitatory. I tend to think of it as some are the brakes, and others uh, is the gas pedal, and in things like depression and even anxiety, uh, there's too much breaking going on, and that's that's depression there. And we want uh, some more of the, uh, the gas, some more motivation back in patients' lives, joy and happiness. We have patients come up with a minimum of three subjective goals that uh, they want to achieve before they start treatment. Almost invariably, we hear, oh, I just want some... Joy and happiness, motivation to do things I used to do, hobbies, or to clean the kitchen for the first time in a year. Uh, There's no shame in that. If you haven't cleaned the kitchen because you don't feel motivated to get out of bed, uh, you know, that's understandable. But this gives um, people the opportunity to be functional again, to feel good about themselves. We've had patients with severe depression. They just wanted a a part-time job to feel like they were part of society again, and they've achieved that. So um, it's really wonderful. Um, Suicidal ideation is uh, interesting. Uh, We noticed very early on, five years ago, how responsive suicidal ideation was to ketamine. Um, We often have patients say that it's minimized or completely eliminated. And we started tracking those patients. And then some scientific literature came out about a year and a half ago. Uh, that showed uh, suicidal ideation was independently responsive of all the other disorders. And we read through that and we were excited because that's exactly what we had seen in our clinic. And by independently responsive, I mean, we might see a 50% reduction in uh, depression, maybe a 25% reduction in some other symptoms, but SI is gone. And that alone is been a life changer and a lifesaver for so many patients.
0: Yeah. And we deal with that a lot. You know, a couple of our team members at White Flag have suicidal ideation. You know, I experienced it a lot coming off of Xanax. The withdrawals were almost, almost all dealt with suicidal ideation. Um, Could you, for those who are sitting there, because a lot of our folks uh, who are listening and, and downloaded White Flag and are a part of our community, they don't even know, like, what it is that's going on inside of them. So could you give an example of what suicidal ideation is, please?
1: Yeah, some patients, um, you know, it's a spectrum um, disorder. Some patients describe it as uh, they were just going about their day, and bam, some suicidal thoughts came into their mind, Um, and it was was difficult uh, to dismiss. Um, uh, Patients on the other end of the spectrum have, Thought of a plan, a method, uh, it consumes their life, and they they have no productivity in their life because it's all consuming. And again, ketamine is effective for that entire spectrum. Our very first suicidal ideation patient, she described thirty to fifty times per day, wow, suicidal thoughts. So mm. pretty much all the time. After just her first infusion. She said it was down to three to five times, but she was able to dismiss it uh, easily, and she knew it wasn't the right thing to do. And that was the very first time we realized that wow. our ketamine is really working for suicidal ideation. So um, our uh, efficacy rate is actually higher than 82%. It's closer to 90% for suicidal uh, thought symptoms, wow. um, which is, yeah, it's really uh, um, it's a miracle. I mean, it's,
0: you know, for, for, for when I was in my facility and I learned that there's not much out there for mental health issues, uh, or at least that's what we were told, you know, there's peer support, which has always been sort of the cornerstone of getting you through, you know, your momentary instances of feeling alone and feeling as though it's, you're so overwhelmed that you can't, you know, you can't function and it for another minute. Peer support is great for that. That talk therapy is great. Um, you know, psychiatry and getting on the right medications are great as well. But um, the mental health crisis isn't getting better. It's getting, you know, it, it for those of us who are out there and we're seeing Naomi Judd and we're seeing, you know, um, we're seeing Twitch, Ellen's DJ, you know, these people have uh, have shown us that um, the, the traditional ways of dealing with mental health just, just aren't working at the speed that it, they need to. I mean, this is a mega crisis where we're losing even our children to suicide. We're losing, you know, the quality of life for our adults, um, you know, it's is, is from zero to 10, and they're on, they're on a one of enjoyment in life. And it is these miracles, and I call it a miracle even though I'm not a real big religious guy. These, these drugs, I hate to use the word drugs, because, I mean, they are, for me, they just almost feel like vitamins, the vitamin of ketamine, the vitamin of psilocybin, you know, they are life changing, life altering mechanisms um, that the reason that I'm here in in the seat, the reason that we do the podcast is we try to bring you guys resources and stories of hope. And there could not be anything more hopeful that I've gone through on my journey. The second, not even second to peer sport. I would say right right in line with it as when I sat in a ketamine chair and followed up, um, by doing some microdosing of, uh, mushrooms as well. Um, so, you know, as far as my opinion, uh, you know, I could not have a higher opinion of Rocky Mountain Mind and Body of Steve. I hope that, you know, if you guys are out there, um, and you're like, yeah, you know, I, I just think it's a, you know, a party drug and it's not for me, you know, do some research, check out the literature on Rocky Mountain Mind and Body. It's a you know, national website, no matter where you are. Um, and and you'll see for yourself that this is a process that could not be, you know, more misunderstood. You sit in a recliner, you get an infusion, your brain starts to heal from the, the, the drug that's going into your blood and you experience sort of this euphoric detachment from your body momentarily. But the truth is, I mean, when it's over, I mean, you walk out of there and I was, I, I don't think I was supposed to, but I was back to work within a couple of hours. You know
1: yeah the um, so it's fast-acting as you mentioned Uh, the effects uh, you see in a matter of days typically Uh, and then yeah you return to baseline very quickly the half-life of the drug is very short 10 or 15 minutes you walk out of the clinic um, you feel 99% in no time yeah Um, but you know that's one of the um, things we don't know about um, ketamine just yet researchers are a little mystified about um, uh, how a drug with such a short half-life can have effects, will last for days, weeks, uh, and even months, potentially even years as some of these changes that we've talked about are potentially um, permanent. You know, we know a lot about ketamine. We know the mechanism of action. There are a few things that we don't know. Most importantly, we know it's safe and effective, and that's the case with many medications um, in healthcare and medicine, you know, I used the anesthetic gases uh, to anesthetize patients for, uh, for surgery for decades, and we didn't know the mechanism of those until yet years ago. But again, we knew it was safe and effective. Uh, a little bit more about the mechanism of action. You know, we've talked about some of the uh, neurotransmitters for dec- decades, like serotonin, dopamine, norepinephrine. There's about seven or eight neurotransmitters. Ketamine works on the glutamate neurotransmitter. It's probably the most important feel-good chemical in the brain and sort of the forgotten uh, neurotransmitter in my mind, and it's unique. There are a couple of other medications that have a very weak effect on the glutamate neurotransmitter, but ketamine has a very uh, strong affinity to it, and that's why we see that incredibly fast-acting and robust um, response. We have a lot of patients with PTSD. We've had great results, um, a lot of combat veterans. Most of our PTSD patients have childhood trauma, uh, and we've seen great results in um, conjunction with um, therapy. You know, as you know, once you start ketamine, you get flooded with feelings, right? emotions, memories, and it can be a pretty um, busy two to three weeks, a lot of logistics back and forth to the clinic. We get to know each other, the end of the- that. arranging rides. There's no driving for the rest of the day after ketamine infusion, uh, but really a chance to press the fast forward button on on the therapy process. And we've had therapists and patients report making light years of progress, Yeah. weeks or months.
0: Yeah. So I had a therapist uh, at the time that I was going through, um, you know, everything's online. So I would just email them and tell them, Hey, I, I, you know, I'd like to talk tomorrow. It was a more profound experience than, you know, I can handle at the moment or, you know, I mean, really though, my, uh, my conversations with my therapist were all like dealing with the influx of, and I know this sounds cheesy, but like hope dealing with the influx of like the, the newfound, like, ideas that flow into your head of, of the future. Like, I'd, I'd stopped thinking past a week, you know, for for a long time there, because you just can't see you surviving through the pain much longer than that. And for me, I mean, I just, I remember, you know, I, I, had, I had all of these thoughts of, like, life and excitement, and so I'm in there talking to my therapist, and I'm like, how do I calm down? You know, like, I'm, I'm I'm ready to get going, ready to you know get get my life back on track, and so I I definitely used a the therapist uh, during the during the process, and I would encourage you know a lot of people out there they say oh therapy don't work for me but no the individual therapist that you had didn't work for you you need to continue looking for the right one I promise you that's the issue uh, the reason that White Flag is so successful is we took down all the barriers to connection so that you can find somebody that you're comfortable with and connect with. All to do what? To make sure that you feel comfortable talking. To make sure that you feel comfortable sharing. And the same thing takes place with you and your therapist. You have to be comfortable in your connection. Then you feel comfortable talking. And then once you feel comfortable talking, you start to feel better and better over time. And you start to unravel sort of the nest that's in your head of overwhelming thoughts and panic and all that. But that, that's another good point. I had, I had and have panic disorder and I went through ketamine treatments with no problem. And you're talking with somebody who was having panic attacks daily, um, and I, you know, of course, like uh, the my ketamine experience was was shy of anything that had to do with panic or or triggering any kind of anxiety. But one thing I wanted to ask you, Steve, because I saw multiple people in your lobby. Uh, and we won't talk about your patients particularly, but they ranged from youth all the way up to, you know, my father's age. Can you kind of talk about like who is a candidate, um, you know, demographically and and what you've seen, um, as far as like, you know, who you, who you've seen, uh, react positively to ketamine?
1: Yeah. So our oldest patient is 87, goes to show. It's never too uh, late to work on your mental health. We have two patients in their eighties and you know, what's interesting, um, Our demographic has changed over the five and a half years we've been open. Keeps getting younger and younger. Our youngest patient is 14. Wow. Very severe symptoms, very severe. Uh, But we have many 16, 17, 18, 19-year-olds, many teenagers and young adults up to the age of 25. And that demographic group is uh, super responsive to ketamine. Uh, Researchers aren't exactly sure. We don't have a scientific reason, but... One possible um, hypothesis is that uh, the the brain is still growing and developing up to the age of 25, more or less. So it's easier to make those plasticity uh, changes and uh, the changes that we're looking for. So we don't have a magic number in terms of demographics. The most important thing is that we have an accurate uh, diagnosis when ketamine hasn't worked for some patients uh, it's because... uh, Uh, Perhaps they weren't properly diagnosed. Um, And um, so diagnosis is the most important thing. We do accept referrals um, for patients that have been recently diagnosed and are treatment resistant. And then also we have two psychiatric nurse practitioners on staff that will do intakes. um, And just to be sure we have the right diagnosis and uh, that patients um, are appropriate for ketamine treatment. You know, we're concerned about a few medical issues, but they hardly ever come up. Uh, hypertension, if a patient were to have uh, a recent uh, heart attack or stroke, that would probably rule them out of treatment until they're fully recovered. Things like liver failure, um, some pretty rare things like that.
0: Yeah, but I mean, this is stuff that, that you know, this is standard. for. It's on the back of the Tylenol bottle as well, no. you know. <laughs> yeah, no, I... Uh, yeah. And that's a, that's a great, that's a great point, you know, that, that you guys are mindful of those issues and they know them thoroughly. And so when you're doing your intake that they're, they're going to be caught, if there is anything there that, um, that, that may, uh, be a pause, uh, on your treatment. But, um, I think that maybe the last thing, uh, we want to talk about is insurance. Is insurance going to cover this or, uh, you know, do you think that that's Um, that that's a route that you're going to, you're going to see insurance actually start stepping up and cover this or are they already doing it?
1: Not currently. Uh, we're hopeful that happens. And just from an economic standpoint, it makes sense for the insurance company to cover this. This is infinitely less expensive than some of the other medications or one single visit to the emergency department.
0: $6,000 for a panic attack. Well, one panic attack is $6,000. At the hospital, and I know that for a fact. But what is a normal what is a normal ketamine treatment run? Uh, you know, across the board.
1: Yeah. So it's three hundred eighty five dollars per infusion, as I mentioned, six infusions. So you can do the the math there. The most important thing is there are no surprise costs. If a yeah. patient the dose of Zofran because they feel queasy, or whatever, which happened one. to me. Which, yeah, we don't tack on anything. Uh, additional, and that's the way it should be in healthcare. That's the right way to do things. If our psychiatric nurse practitioner uh, needs to do an assessment, there is a small additional fee for that. I believe that's $250. And then regarding insurance, uh, we can issue a super bill for patients, and they can submit that to their insurance company for reimbursement. We are starting to see an uptick in reimbursement. Um, So there is that possibility. It's still... A a bit uh, hit or miss. Uh, We've had some patients um, receive a third of their upfront cost back, a half. I believe we had one patient that got about 75% reimbursed, and we've had some that have been completely denied. So there's a range in there, but there does seem to be an increase in reimbursement. Uh, That's great. And FSA spending accounts, the IRS does allow it to be used for this purpose. And in fact, it's the perf- the perfect use for it. Um, so there's that option. Uh, and again, we, we hope insurance companies uh, see the light and uh, start uh, covering this.
0: Well, I'll tell you, my my psychiatrist and my psychiatrist, you know, you, by the way, you recommended my psychiatrist, my gut doctor, my gastro, uh, (laughs) Steve is literally, I mean,
1: I, you do everything I I recommend. I
0: I trust this guy with my life. I mean, after you have somebody who provides you with that kind of peace and that kind of easing of your suffering, I mean, I'll follow Steve wherever he wants to go Mm -hmm. flat out. Uh, but I'll say this, my psychiatrist is $210, which is about standard. My therapy that I get, cause I get specialized anxiety treatment is also two, it's 220. So for a $380 infusion, uh, compared to, you know, what else is out there, um, is particularly because it goes into your brain and it's this wonderful experience. And I mean, I, you know, I, I found it to be incredibly, uh, worthwhile and, um, uh, and it, and I would, you know, I, people would be surprised. I'm a founder and CEO of an app. So I'm always struggling for money. And at the time I was struggling and, uh, you know, I made an effort to, uh, to put the money first for the ketamine and I was so much more productive at work, so much more productive in the other facets of my life that it, of course it, it, you know, it was all worth it and, um, and paid for itself. But, you know, I uh, for everybody out there listening who's messaged me and asked me about, you know, ketamine and, and, and what my experience was like. I hope that, you know, this was um, something that you could understand. I know Steve is a very down to earth guy, very down to earth medical practitioner. Um, he's been doing this for, you know, several decades, uh, not only in a, just straight anesthesia, but um, and also administering ketamine, you know, for uh, medicinal purposes. They know their stuff at Rocky Mountain Mind and Body. And if you're not able to get out here to Colorado to see them, uh, you know, at least go look at their literature on their website and take that for what it's worth and, and kind of look for a spot near you. Um, and, uh, and you know, I, for, for me, I have always, always preached self-advocacy. And what that means is your, my, my parents, your parents, your aunts and uncles, most of the time your significant other, you know the people in your life who say they're praying for you and they love you they're not going to recommend things for you they're just not and because it takes a a lot of uh, it takes a lot of 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 research and understanding and then it takes it, you got to be bold in your strategy to attack this thing because you know the alternative in many cases is lifelong suffering and of course death Um, You know, we're dealing with a very, very serious illness and PTSD and depression and anxiety. These things are in suicidal ideation. These things are as deadly as deadly can be. And we're seeing it all over the all over the country and all over the world um, as as the stigma is slowly starting to fall. And my hope is that you hear a podcast like this and you do your own research and, you know, uh, your own sort of deliberation on uh, on the cost-benefit of trying new things um, that that you hear from people who you trust. I hope you trust me. I know I trust Steve, um, and I hope that if you can't make it out Colorado to Colorado to see Steve at Rocky Mountain Mind and Body, that you can um, find somebody like him because if you are in a medical situation and you're looking over at the person administering it to you and you're kind of looking in the room and there's like a roach crawling in the floor, I, you, it's not going to be pleasant. It's not. And you're going to blame it on the ketamine. And it's not the ketamine. It's the set and setting. And so my hope is that you continue to push until you're comfortable, until you're comfortable, until you're comfortable. And then let, let the, let the medicine come to you, let it heal you. Um, you know, and that's my hope for you. And, uh, you know, Steve and I, we've got, um, some things planned this summer. I'm going to be joining the psychedelic conference with him, uh, here in Denver, Colorado, um, I'll probably, we'll probably be sharing a lot of that on our social media, um, you know, what's coming up and uh, w- with that and how I'm going to be participating. But yeah, if you, if you guys have any questions on what we talked about, feel free to hit us up on our social media, hit us up in the comment section. Um, and you know, we'll try to, we'll try to answer any questions that you have. Um, but yeah, Steve, anything else you want to share, man? I, you know, I cannot, I I just can't thank you enough. I'm trying to keep this to an hour. I could go all night with Steve, honestly. He's one of the most interesting people, um, that you'll ever meet, but most importantly, he's one of the kindest people you ever meet and he truly wants the best for you. So, you know, Steve, I, I, I can't thank you enough, man, for what you've done for me, what you've done for thousands of other people in your career. And, um, you know, I'm just thankful that you're out in the forefront. I know for a fact that when psilocybin passes, that I'll be able to call you up and say, Steve, when can you get me in? Um, as well as MDMA, you know, I'm dealing with I still deal with PTSD. Um, and I know the veterans out there are, are, are waiting, you know, in the sidelines for this stuff to get passed and then the, then to, to find somebody who they trust uh, and are comfortable with to administer it to them. I'll be here with Steve. I mean, it's part of the reason I came out here to Denver was to find Steve, to find these types of treatments um, and, you know, uh, to to sort of take charge of my recovery. Um, so, Steve, cannot thank you enough. You and Florida run an amazing, amazing place. Thank you so much, um,
1: John. That means so much uh, to me to hear you say those kind words. I appreciate it. Yeah, the Psychedelic uh, Science Conference is in Denver uh, this summer, the week of June 19th. There'll be about 10,000 attendees, scientists, researchers, people from all around the world to talk about psychedelic science. And then the other big breaking news that we have at Rocky Mountain Mind and Body is that uh, we are beginning um, uh, Psychedelic Saturdays. We are going to have a four-hour guided experience, uh, one-time experience. Uh, You know, we uh, had a lot of patients... uh, ask us if there was any way they could somehow share the experience with their family members, spouse, whomever. Um, and so we're going to start a a psychedelic journey on Saturdays where you can bring a spouse. It's again, very safe and guided and it's going to be the most incredible, uh, experience ever in a way to, uh, for patients to, to share it, uh, with some of their loved ones. Sign me
0: up. Uh, me, me and Sia will be there for sure.
1: Lots of new things and a new facility for us at Rocky. Now mind and body where we've outgrown our space and we're expanding. So, uh, Johnny, thank you so much for, uh, having me and inviting me. Um, and I appreciate all the kind words very much.
0: Steve, uh, th- I, they're not enough, not enough. And, you know, I'll, I'll leave you guys with this last thought. Um, it's, it's your consciousness that gets repaired. And with these kinds of drugs, it really is. That's the best way I can describe it is it works on your consciousness and your spirit, whatever you want to call it.
1: Ketamine is not putting a bandaid on the wound. Ketamine is getting in there, cleaning it out, suturing it up and closing it up for once once and for all.
0: That's a great way to describe it, Steve. Well, I hope that uh, all of you guys out there listening, you know, you got something from this. Our next couple of episodes, we're going to have just as wonderful of guests. As hard as that may be, uh, we're going to have uh, on here some some doctors uh, who have seen, you know, some sui- suicidal ideation on the front lines in the emergency room. They're going to kind of talk to you about that process. Um, and then we've got some athletes, some celebrities that you'll recognize coming up as well. And uh, and yeah, I mean, you know, it's been a wonderful experience bringing you know, my perspective of my life and some of the stuff that I've used and, and this, uh, this stuff that's worked for me, um, you know, to, to you. Uh, and I, I hope that we can continue doing that. So please uh, continue following the podcast, like us on social media, download the app. Again, it's White Flag App in uh, the Apple App Store and on Google Play, leave us a review and, and hit us up on our social media uh, or on our website, if you uh, if you ever want to talk or or, or ab- about um, you know what you'd like to listen to or hear uh, in the future in our podcast, and of course, uh, hit up uh, Steve Gittleman and his wonderful group at Rocky Mountain Mind and Body. And I uh, hope the best for all of you. Thanks again, Steve. We'll see you guys next week. <laughs>